2: Welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Emilio Donella and Fulham legends Robert Wilson and Gordon Davis. This episode we're going to look back at Fulham's season. We're going to share our thoughts on what was a great season for Fulham. The second half of the show we're going to talk about what's next for Fulham because I think we're all interested in that. We'll talk about that coming up but before we do anything else let me sure. welcome everyone back to the show first. Emilio, welcome back to the show. Look forward to doing this with Gordon and Rob and you tonight.
3: Yeah, it's always a pleasure to do the show with these guys uh, every time. It seems months ago that we did the last one. I can't remember now when it was. Was it mid-season break to, after the World Cup? I think it may have been around that time. But it's, you know, I always think about all the, the seasons coming in thick and fast. We do these end-of-season reviews, and obviously we're, we've got a lot more to cheer about this season than we've had in others. But, yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to talking it through with these guys, see what next season holds in store for us, and really just enjoy the moment because – you know we don't always see our club successful, yeah. You Let's know, just, just enjoy and relish what we saw the last nine months because we did see some entertaining football, didn't we, guys? I think we saw, some, and if anything, we're disappointed we haven't got more points on the board. That says a lot about being a Fulham fan and and Gordon thinking I'm Mr. Negative here, but uh, yeah, I think ultimately <laughs> I'm always wishing in theory we should have had more points on the board. Oh, here we go. I Gordon, agree, here I we agree go.
4: with you, Amelia. I 100% agree with you.
2: Should have had more. Okay, oh, okay. No. You guys are you guys are right though. I I will admit I will give Emilio and Rob that one. They are right, but but they are focusing a little bit on the negative, right, Gordon? Well, as ever, we finished tenth
1: in the league, and Emilio's still sort of saying we should have done better. So um, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, not. it's not. he's setting his sights rather high after saying I think at the <laughs> beginning of the season that if we finish yeah. what was it, seventeenth, yeah, yep, absolutely. Then I will be happy. So, uh, it's, it's nice that there's a little bit of positivity there from Emilio,
2: but there could be a hell of a lot more with the season that we've had. Okay. Excellent stuff. And I look forward to going through this show with the three of you. And I just want to share, share some comments. They're flying in. This is from our friend Chris Kuhn, who happens to be a Liverpool supporter, but watches all my shows. Evening Rust, the foam shadow and the two foam legends, Claire green comes in evening. Everyone. We got calm on good evening gang. We've got all these comments coming in so thank you everyone who's watching us live this should be fun and i look forward to it rob i'll go to you i haven't even talked to you yet how are you doing rob you look forward to doing the show and talking about last season and looking forward
4: yeah very much so it's always good to get on with uh you three guys yeah it's uh been an interesting season one that we probably all didn't predict truly at the beginning of last season but yeah um, joking aside, yeah, Emilio's right. 10th was, as Gordon says, 10th was great and probably all unexpected. Come last August, but yeah, just a little bit at the back of my mind, thought, yeah, I mean, the eight match ban and the few games that we probably f- could have been a, you know, another six, mm-hmm. eight points better off, could have been ninth, eighth, seventh. But hey, oh, I would have took that at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and it, you know, I've seen 17 out of 19 away games uh i've only watched i've only watched four home games but i've seen 17 out of 19 away so uh it has been nice on the eye to watch them
2: okay over to you gordon just want to go back to you thank you again for joining us and uh it's been a great season and uh, i look forward to getting your view of everything that happened this season when of course we'll, we'll end the second half of the show talking about next season but just let's start with you give me your opening thoughts of uh what you watched last season
1: well, as, as everybody said, I think it was a, uh, a surprise to everyone. I think what got us on the roll was the first result of the season against Liverpool. You couldn't really have asked for a um, a better or a worse fi- fixture in, in both sort of senses with regards to one of the best teams in Europe uh, coming down to the cottage. And you're hoping that we're going to get something from the game. Well, we were the better side on the day. And to say that we drew 2-2 at home with Liverpool... As, as Rob and Emilio have said, you could have said, that's two points we've dropped already in the first game of the season. So the the, the way that we started, the way that uh, things went from uh, from day one, um, and also it was a shame when uh, we signed on loan Solomon. He comes on, he shows a bit of uh, flair in the 10, 15 minutes that he was on, and then he picks up an injury in a behind-doors game uh, within a week. So... Um, we were without him for a while, as Rob has already mentioned, the eight-match ban for Mitrovic, which I'm sure we'll, we'll speak about later, yep. was was a big blow to the, to the club. Um, and as Rob mentioned, he's on about maybe six, seven, eight, eight points that we could have had in different games and that eight-match ban. We could actually have been pushing for the top six because we're only 10 points off sixth and... We lost a lot of points when Mitrovic was out, but we lost a lot of points at the end of games where we lost in the last minute. Uh, so you, you drop in one, two, three points uh, all the time. So the, the football that we played was it was a joy to watch. And to be perfectly honest with you, everybody put a shift in. Um, I'd, I'd probably say if there was one person I was a bit disappointed in, it would have been Dan James, uh, being okay. a fellow Welshman. I don't think he pulled up any uh, trees with us. I think he only scored two goals and, and one assist throughout the season. So to re- we've got to replace him and hopefully somebody like Solomon um, is, is on one side. We've probably got to get somebody f- for the other side, but the football that we played was, as I said, was a joy to watch and to be perfectly honest with you, I think we're all anticipating uh, what we can do this coming season.
2: So am I, Gordon. Before I go to Rob and then go back to Amelia, I want to just work on this with you because this started from the first match of the season. Were you surprised by the style of play that they took it right to Liverpool? Again, it was different than what Fulham were doing in the championship. Silva altered his tactics. He tweaked them for the Premier League. It's almost like he was preparing while he was in the championship for this. Were you surprised by this? Because they played with no fear. That, to me, was what was so enjoyable. Home or away, it didn't matter who it was. They played with no fear. Gordon, I think
1: I think the attitude he's he's always had um, people having a go at him, but the way that he plays is that you can leave yourself open at the back. But when you have such an attacking team and the, and the players that we brought in, um, and obviously we'll we'll speak about different players, but Palina has, has been a a godsend as a defensive midfield player. Uh, I think he's helped. Tim Ream have a good season. I think he's helped Tosin or um, Diop have great seasons in the middle because he's been putting that that sort of uh, front gate. He's been closing that front gate in front of them. So they haven't been exposed as much. But when you look at the amount of goals that we scored, I think we scored 55, but we've let in 53. So that is one thing that I think Silva will look at next season. Can we stop those goals going in, but can we still have that attacking ability? And I think you you just sort of uh, pick out one person who I think jaws dropped open when we signed him, being a 34, 35-year-old ex Chelsea player, Willian, and he's been one of the stars of the season. And he's worked his socks off going forward and back. And to be perfectly clear with you, I think he would have been close to having... Uh, in my opinion, um, player of the season um, if one or two other players hadn't been absolutely spot on and probably getting nine out of ten week in, week out. So it, it, it's going to be interesting this season now um, as to who we buy and where we strengthen because we still are weak in a few areas. But the, the way that we took the game to everyone and not just at home but when we played away from home as well, and probably Rob will will go more into this. Yep. Um, we just wanted to take the game to everybody, and even when you lose at the had two one, and you think you got to, should have got something from the from the game, mm, it's crazy. Uh, then it's
2: it, it's all all good for the future. Fingers crossed. I totally agree, and that, that's going to lead me to go over to Rob because I want to really focus on this from what Gordon was talking about style of play and I want to really focus in on with you Rob central midfield because I think this is what dictated everything for foam wasn't just Paulina it was also Pereira then of course Harrison Reed so I think this is where the story really takes shape is in central midfield Rob I want to get your thoughts on how they were able to execute this style of play and especially since you were a midfielder how it all worked in central midfield
4: yeah, I mean, he obviously started the season on the front foot and really wanted to go. With that front six that we had, whatever three he played up front and, and the three you just named there, Polina, Reid and and Pereira, they were probably the backbone of that midfield for the whole season. Hence, Tom Kearney probably never got a look in other than the last 20 minutes every game for 30-odd games. But, mm. I mean, God, Pereira. I, I mean, I, I wasn't a lover last season, but I thought he was absolutely outstanding both with and without the ball. Perlini is a revelation. I saw him in sport in pre-season when we, in Portugal. I remember I we talked about, about it. I thought this kid looks the real, the real deal and hence his stats and, and the interest he's, he's generating at the moment, which I'm sure we can fend off with the contract that he's got. Um, but it also allowed Harrison to get forward a lot more. And he was the, mm. the little ginger in the Esther that popped up and you know final balls and got shots on target, scored a few um so yeah them three more or less were were the stalwart of of the side i agree with gordon william again i was skeptical about what we're doing signing a 34 year old (laughs) but he was absolutely immense and dropping a shoulder and the pace over that first three or four yards and some of the the final balls and crosses and goals he scored were just out of this world um and hence you know i think that front six when it was when it picked itself made us go at teams. I mean, look at all them, when I mean, we talk about points lost, Arsenal, Man City, Man United, Liverpool, all late goals, you know, we conceded, which you've had points up there, just that's four that comes straight to mind. So, as much as it was really good, and, and Gordon just alluded it, it, we're thinking that Polina did a great job, but we still conceded 53 goals, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, as right. much as we're saying that he's got all the best stats in the league and all that, but somewhere along the line, and we both agree or all agree that Pereira and Reid were fantastic, we still mm. conceded 53 goals, which is still a concern for me.
2: Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Before I go to Emilio and get his overall thoughts, I want to focus on the defense now because when you look at it, Leno was just fantastic. You can argue he's Fulham's player of the season. We'll talk about player of the season in just a bit. But what did you see from the back four and also from Leno did Leno save Fulham so many points, Gordon? I'm sorry, Rob, or was it – what was the reason why they were conceding so many goals in your mind? Um, yeah, I mean,
4: obviously he did make game game saving saves at certain times and and kept the score down in a few games where we did get B. But, yeah, I mean, just a few individual errors. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day. I still thought I – th- I thought Jedi had his best – Best season in the last sort of two or three years, you know. I thought he was good going forward. He improved defensively um, yeah. over the season. I think he got better. I mean, Tete's come in and done brilliant when he plays right. back. if them two were on their game, I'm still a bit concerned in the middle. I mean, Tim, Tim, as well as Tim, done. He's been playing with two different partners at different times, Tossin or or Diop. So there was no real continuity that he could get going week in week out. He'd probably play one of them for two or three games and left them out and then put him back in so yeah i mean to actually go through the season and highlight where them 53 goals came from i'm not sure if many of them were were for dead balls or general play or whatever it'd be nice to see what the stats were in terms of them 53 to see where They did come. Was it individual areas? Did lots of teams score good goals against us? I'm not so sure there would have been a lot of good goals in that 53 that we conceded, you know, where we really got cut open, you know, from back to front. Um, But it's an area, obviously, I'm sure Hmm. Marco would be wanting to, as well as we've played, you know, you've got to stop goals and to score 55 and concede 53 is, is, as much as it's only a slight positive, there's still an area for concern there to, to work on.
2: Mm. Well, that's good. And over to you, Emilio, because I mm. wanted to just wrap up opening thoughts by going to you, because as an overall looking at going forward as Gordon and Rob talked about, but we're also being honest here because we want to see full progress and get better. And you have to analyze and you have to look at the good and the bad. Let's be honest. There is bad defensively. They need to upgrade. We'll talk about in the second half of the show, because I think that's something that they Silva really needs to look at. He has to be honest. Because the goalkeeper saved them a serious amount of points, and they need to feel where they need to upgrade. I think you have to look at defense. Mm-hmm. Just give me your overall thoughts, Emilio, of the season, and then let's talk about the defense.
3: I think well, many of these players, you know, you know, let's see where they were a couple of years ago under Scott Parker's reign. You know, they struggled. You know, they couldn't really fit that system. These guys have all progressed, have all matured, and I've said it all along. Many of these. Former championship players, as I call them, I'm not being derogatory here, they've a lot of them punched above their weight, but that's because there's a team spirit in the club. Marco and Silver and his coaching team have instilled that that confidence, that camaraderie, that team spirit. And sometimes, you know, that brings a lot of energy and quality that you may not have seen if you're playing a more conservative system like on the Scott Park. How many goals did they score at home that season? I think it was nine league goals at home a couple of years ago. So, look, we've gone the complete opposite. And, you know, I agree with the guys because how many times did we need to score three goals to win a game? That's a problem, you know. In the games we know early on against Brentford, we managed to get a late late winner, but again conceded two, but managed to find a way to score three. And There were many instances where we just lacked that third goal, but we can't keep conceding two goals and expect to win games. But overall, what like Gordon and Rob said, it was a delight to watch last season, seeing offensive football, you know, taking the the game to your opposition. No fear, you know, and let's also talk about some of the other positives you know we may have conceded 53 goals but we had a, a number of clean sheets which is not typical of fulham in recent season in the premier league we're conceding most in most games so leno the defense central midfield you know we kept a number of clean sheets that away game at chelsea is probably the best defensive performance i can remember of a fulham team for god knows how many seasons so a lot of positives there but you know we are you know we've got a good team spirit but we you know we have to push on and you know we've survived <laughs> We've done it with confidence. We've got enough points on the board before Christmas, and that's why I think we've all been a little bit disappointed. We slightly regressed from about February March, but that's maybe you can argue injuries, depth of squad. We we'll learn from that. You know, Tony Khan and the and the and the board and Marcus. We'll be looking at that as we speak at the moment because we need to strengthen. And you know, there's a lot of positives to talk about. But overall, you know, there's remember we're a, we're a championship team. We've got promoted. Expectations, I think, were very high, more higher than they were in previous. promoted, so I think there was that pressure on the manager. But the, you know, the management team and the players did phenomenal this season, and hopefully we can continue it. But we need to upgrade in key areas, and I think the key thing is keep it tighter. Uh, still find a way of playing that uh, you know attacking brand of football because we don't want to lose that, and we won't lose that under Marco Silva. But it's he's got to find that balance, and that's that's the job he's paid to do. Unfortunately, that's, he's, he's got that dilemma. But overall, pleasure to watch home and away this season. And, you know, the,
2: like I said, we
3: should have had more points on a ball, but finished 10th. Let's, pre- let's prepare ourselves for next year, because I think we've got a lot to look forward to.
2: I agree, Emilio. I agree. But before we look forward, we have to look back and the way that I thought we would do it and Emilio, I talked about it. We're going to go through each one of you, your three greatest moments of the season. So you, let's start from three two, one and Rob, I'll go to you first. Yeah. Give me your three greatest moments of the season. Oh,
4: you got to put me on the spot
2: there. Yeah, um, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, you on your, the I'm glad you're
1: going first, Rob.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well,
4: I mean, obviously the. I mean, as, as I alluded to earlier, I watched a lot of home games, but probably on on TV. But away games uh, were, were 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 a different type of uh, attacking team. You know, like uh, Emilio said, we played at home or away. We still played the same way, which was good because Fulham haven't done that for many many years. So it was nice when you kicked off, whether it Everton, Arsenal, Tottenham, Manu. That we, you know, you could tell from the first minute that the front six and the two fullbacks were going to really go after teams and not sit back and wait for the sucker punches. And there'd be many a game that you know where we didn't get the ball for the first ten or fifteen minutes, but stayed in the game in a in a positive attitude in terms of you know how we were playing. And we scored early in quite a number of games and and scored first. And and again, I don't know what the stats are compared to when we did score first. How many games did we actually? Lose because you know there would have been a few over the over the season, but yeah, I mean, as I said, I I, I really liked from from day one. I liked the the the, 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 the attitude of Liverpool. I, that was one game I did come to, and I thought, wow, this is if we're going to play like this this season. And we were very unfortunate not to win that game. Uh, and the other game I saw at home was Manchester United, which was yeah. a travesty to lose in the last minute. You know, that, that was a negative in terms of. But it was a great performance. But just, you know, I felt so despondent for, for, for Marco and his team because, you know, both we all know that we, we should have won that game, never mind getting beat in the, in the game. And and like the Liverpool game as well, where we drew the game and, and we sh- we know we should have won it. So they're two games that stand out to me, home games. Away games are saying a lot of positivity. There's been the odd one where, you you, you, you know, we didn't play as well. Tottenham, uh, I think, was a game where we, you know, we, we, we've... We made substitutions. We brought a lad on. He played left back. He gave the ball away. They end up scoring. But most games we were always in with a chance. As I say, other than the Newcastle at home, where we did get the run around. Um, you know, that we we've been there or thereabouts. So um, I'll I'll do two out of three. I'll say Man United and, and Liverpool at home <laughs> were two real positives on me because I were there personally watching them, and I, I felt. I felt we, there were fantastic performances and we didn't get the full justification of points we should have done.
2: Okay, I'm going to share this one because I think this is a good one. This is from <clears throat> Costa Trip. Chelsea home, Forest away, Brighton away. Brighton away is massive. So yeah, I'm there I, as being I, one I was, of them, Rob.
4: I was a guest at uh, Brighton away of my, my my mate who was sponsoring the game. And I was in the, studio, in the VIP lounge with Alan Mullery and Bobby Zamora. They were Brighton. <laughs> They interviewed me before the game and asked me what was I expecting. And I said, well, I'll be happy with a point. And then obviously after the game, they got me back up again, which was 350 people. Sort of like when I said, well, we just got away with daylight robbery in the last minute. I felt
3: (laughs) embarrassed to be talking.
2: Okay. Very good. Okay. Emilio, I'm going to go to you. I'll give Gordon a chance to think of history. I'm going to go to you.
3: Yeah. I had Brighton away. You know, that that was one of the other positives this season. How many times, you know, Two or three years ago against you know, stronger opposition, we get I know how many games of this team would have been annihilated. Like the fact that we lost by the odd goal in most games shows how far we've progressed this season. So r- we're disappointed we've lost away to Man City rather than getting annihilated. That's how far we've come. But Brighton away proves that we can not be in the game, be absolutely destroyed through it for eighty nine minutes and get a sucker punch. That's that's progress for me. The fact that we can sort of keep that clean sheet right to the death and you know, score like Rob said, a sucker punch. So that's the first, that's one of the games for me. I think both Chelsea games. I think I'm going to I'm sort of slightly cheating, but Chelsea obviously beating Chelsea at home for the first time in about what 16, 17 years, and Venetia scoring that goal. Very happy for him, and you know, the fact that we actually you know disappointed. We you know we could have won that game by more than us. We hung on a little bit towards the end, but we had enough chances to beat them by a further margin. And then I'm going to use obviously the Chelsea away game when I was, you know the fact that you've had a, a tremendous you know, defensive performance that day. But there were moments when I believed when we were attacking, I don't know you if you were there, Rob, but it's, we almost had a chance, you know, I, I believe that we can actually go and win at Stamford Bridge. That's unheard of. You know, our well, record yeah, against yeah. Stamford is it's, it's, it's appalling, but the fact we can go to Stamford Bridge and have belief that with a good attacking option, set pieces, we can go and nick a winner here. So, you know, I did a show straight after, I remember, Ross, outside Stamford yep. Bridge and remembered clearly that, you know, disappointed that we actually almost could have won three points. And the yeah. other one for me is the Brentford game at home. It's more about the oh, incident, the Ivan Tony celebrating midway. That really pissed me off, to be honest with you. But who got the who got the last laugh? Who got the last laugh? It was our yeah. own Mister. So it's said, "Ivan Tony, stick your nine-month ban up your, you know, where it <laughs> lost, and we'll see you next season." That for me was one of the fun moments of the season. But the fact that okay. there was a bit of rivalry on the pitch by you know two informed strikers right at the beginning of the season, and that right. set the tone for the season.
2: Okay. I'm going to share this from Colm before I go over to Gordon. Mitrovic winning goal against Brentford Vinicius against Chelsea. Harrison Reed away to Forest. That's actually a really good one. I like that. Very good. Second mention of the uh, Nottingham forest match. Okay, Gordon, I want to give you plenty of time here. Three greatest moments of the season for you.
1: I, I think the, the first one was the first game of the season um, at home to Liverpool. Um, and, and also because of the way Mitrovic played and and the far post header uh, that he scored that day, because we've spoken time and time that everybody knows he can do it in the Championship. Uh, It it has always been the question mark against him in the Premier League. But as we said over the last sort of two seasons, whenever he's played in the Premier League, he's always been in a team that's been fighting relegation. So therefore, he's not going to have that many chances. He's not going to score that many goals. So I was pleased for him that he got got off the score sheet or onto the score sheet uh, as early as he did in the first game of the season. And as as we've already mentioned, that's a game that we should have won. And to be disappointed in the first game of the season against one of the best teams in Europe that people talk about, um, it, it, it gave us hope, I think, for the rest of the season and the way that we were going to play. Um, although um, Emilio mentioned the, the Chelsea away game, and, yes, we have got a, a, a poor record because, unfortunately, the last time we beat them at Stamford Bridge, yours truly was playing in that game, and that's 1978. So that, that's one of the records that needs to be sorted out quickly. Not, not because I played in that game, but because <laughs> it's a situation that the supporters who go there and, and give give their all haven't seen us win at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. And we do win. And it was on the cards that night, yeah. to be perfectly honest with you. And I think we missed uh, coming away from that game as we we talked about points again, with, with a, a, a couple of extra points on, on the day. So, uh, although I'm not put, putting that in my, my top three, um, but the Liverpool game, um, I'd certainly go with the Brentford game at home. Um, and because I, I think that is probably taking over as as the big rivalry rather than us and Chelsea at the moment because um well chelsea in the bottom half of the table so they've got to sort something out for <laughs> the next season anyway. So that's that's one thing that I can say. So they definitely the the Brentford game and yes um I, I won't use the same phrase as Emilio but yeah it's a bit annoying when somebody's taking off Mitrovic and, and and saying oh I've scored son what can you do? Uh well he proved it later on so yeah that puts a smile on everybody's face and probably the third game um and I'm gonna I'm I I want to say the Brighton one okay because of the 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 fantastic goal that we scored it was two passes and two and two touches by Solomon The, the first touch um was was putting it 15 yards in front of him so he can run onto it and the second was the shot and we scored um and as Emilio said We've been on the receiving end of those so many times in recent seasons. Um, and it's nice to to go away, nick a point. And as Rob said, he was embarrassed. Um, if we were playing in games like that, we wouldn't have been embarrassed. We were taken the pat on the back and said, thanks very much. See you next year. Um, but, but yeah, when, you, when you're talking about it, and you've probably had one shot in the entire game, but it's happened to us. So uh, you look at the Brighton, but but I'm I'm, I'm going to go off the wall with this this third one, and it's okay. the FA Cup game at, at away at Old Trafford, because I thought we were fantastic oh, on the yeah. day. I thought we were the better team on the day. We were. Totally agree, Gordon. Totally. United weren't, and <laughs> it, I, I I don't know what the situation with Mitrovic was, um, but. Uh, I think we still, if he'd have just held his head, I think we could have still won that game with ten men, mm. rather than eleven, uh, and and got through to the semi final. And you and you never know what might have happened. But I know it's, but it's the way that we played on that day, going to Old Trafford late in the season, still on the front foot, and really again showing a, a club that's dominated Europe in the past that we can compete with them. And I thought we
2: were fantastic on the day and very, very unfortunate. Okay. Before we move on to player of the season, I want to go back to you and just talk to you. We're talking about Petro. I want to get your thoughts on Carlos Vinicius. What are your thoughts about him as a player, Gordon? At the moment, I, th- I still think he's yards off the pace in
1: the Premier League. Um, he for, for a lad who's over six, I think he's 6'3 or 6'4", He's he's a similar size to Mitrovic, but a completely different player. He doesn't hold the ball up for, for a big man. He doesn't sort of uh, all he does, he tries to back back into the center half and back in and back in. And all the center half does sometimes is push him to one side, get his foot in front of him, and knock and knock the ball away. And he's picked up and we lose possession. Um and, and for somebody with, should I say, his experience, yep. um, I think they, they if if we do keep him he's got he's got to work on perhaps pushing back into the center half and then coming off two or three yards so it's easier for him to control it because he gives the ball away so many times when it's played up to him that what 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 ends up and and probably rob has had this with with forwards and he'd probably say with me as well (laughs) he comes to support me i keep giving it away so he doesn't and, and then he's got to turn and run 20 yards back So in the end, Rob stops coming short, uh, stops coming up to me to get the ball, drops off. And then when I do get it under control, I've got two or three defenders around me, a defensive midfield player. I give it away. So I'm having a go at Rob. Where are you? And Rob's been having a go at me saying, you've given the ball away for the last 10 times. So I'm not coming to support you. So it's a chicken and the egg situation. But if he comes, he's got pace. So if he comes short, three or four yards, spins and goes in behind the defender, then it gives a defender something to think about. And it's not always in front of him right. because you can defend anybody that's in front of you for 90 minutes. But when you come in short, coming in front, or you're coming short and then spinning behind, that puts a doubt in the, uh, the the player's mind. But they've got to work with him if he's going to stay because he's not an ideal replacement for, for Mitrovic. Mm-hmm. He's okay. come in. I think he's he's certainly lacking um, in in two or three areas for, for a front man. And if he's going to be up there by himself, he's got to learn to hang on to that ball and bring everybody into the game. Otherwise, um, he's, he's going to be on his bike, I'm
2: afraid. OK, I'm glad that we talked a little bit about finishes. I've been curious your thoughts on it, Gordon. So thank you for sharing that. Let's end our discussion of the season with player of the season. Let's go around the room. I'll go to you first, Emilio. Who's your player of the season? Well, this was a this was a tough one. To be honest with you, you know,
3: it's, I had number three. I put Tim Rinn just because of his captain credentials and the fact, you know, clean sheets. And he was he was he was a leader on that pitch all season. Despite I know he had Pelina protecting him, like what Gordon was saying earlier. But overall, I thought that his leadership credentials were very, were critical last season. You just see him on the pitch talking to his players. Whispering, just hands it. Just that—that's that, important. I think he's a captain, you know, that we need, and hopefully he'll be better fit. But you know, he's not invincible. He's—he's he's, he's, what thirty-five now, so we've got to think about, you know, what next there. But I gave him number three yeah. because he, he was a leader on on and off the pitch, and that's the type of player we need in the dressing room. I gave of number two. I gave Leno my play of the season purely on okay. the basis he played the most games, he saved us at least ten points. You know, someone mentioned earlier on the in the comments. We conceded 53, but without Leno, it would have been more likely 60-plus. So I thought, and the fact that Palini picked up a lot of yellow cards, I slightly downgraded him for that. When he was on the pitch, immense, and battled and saved and worked hard and scored, and obviously he's got goals in the tank. But in terms of contribution, overall consistency, how many bad games did Bernard Leno have all season? I don't think he had a bad game, as far as I'm concerned. So for me, it was very close, but I gave it to Leno on the basis he's probably saved us a good 10 points this season.
2: Okay. Over to you, Gordon. Give me your point of the season. If you want to give three leading up to your point of the season, feel free to. Um, yeah, to, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I'll, I'll agree totally with uh,
1: with what Emilio said about um, Ream. Um, and, and At the beginning of the season, uh, I think we were all concerned about how he was going to play. He had a good World Cup. And I think he, he, he went on from there. But I think at the end of the season, we were always thinking, right, who's going to come in to replace Reem? He, he can't do another uh, season at this level uh, after the previous Premier League sort of um, season. And I, I held my hands up when I was in hospitality and said, I got it wrong. I said, he's proved he's proved me wrong. He's come in and he's abs- absolutely had a fantastic year um, at, at the back. He's hardly put a foot wrong. Um so I would I would put him as number two in in, in my top three, and it's a close one between Willian and Reed for being in third position, because as we've mentioned, Reed's a, a license to go forward. We've seen a different uh, Reed this year, as as uh, Rob mentioned, the uh, ginger Iniesta. I thought he was going to say the ginger Lewington. But uh, Ron, perhaps he, well, Lou never got that far forward. If he did, he, he definitely got back. Um, so it's close between William and Reed for third spot. But I'm going for palinia because I think without without him, um, I, I honestly think, and I know, yes, he, he's in a position he's going to pick up cards, he's going to miss a few games. But I, I honestly think that he's been the, the the rock in the center of the pitch uh, defensively. And he's also come up with uh, a couple of crucial, fantastic goals at the other end as well. So uh, Paulina, for me, um, wins it uh, purely because of the fact that I think without him in the team, we're not the same team and and we're not as, um, not defensively organised, but we're not as good without him being on the pitch.
2: Totally agree. That's why he's my part of the season. It's Paulina. Full and we're not the same team without him. They could not function without him, and that to me is why he's my player this season. But some very good players of the season and uh, other players as well who were second and third. Over to you, Rob. I want to get your player this season. But the one thing that before we do that, because I want to talk a little bit about Reed and Paulina, because I think that both of them feed off of each other. I obviously I, I think Paulina is my player this season, but I actually think Paulina needs Reed a little bit. Reed, I think needs pulling I think they they work well together I think when you take one out it's not the same am I wrong to to bring that up
4: no no definitely um and I'll do I'll do it the other way around I'll go number one my okay. player of the season definitely Polina okay. um as I said I, I take away the bookings which he's picked up 13-14 the three games he was suspended we lost all of them uh and yeah as much as we've conceded goals he's still been a a Revelation in there, hence you know we've got multi-million-pound clubs after him, his services. But wow. yeah, he's been fantastic on and off the ball. Is you if you watch him live, his his positional play as a defensive midfield player is is second to none. It reminds me of Patrick Vieira or someone like that, where mm-hmm. his starting position always gets him one step ahead of someone. Um, and as I said, he's been he's been a, he's been that sort of insurance in front of Ream and and Tossin or Ream and Diop in there. Uh, to stop them, that that you know that their ball's going into the, their number ten or their number eight. Uh, if I was going to go second and third, I agree with you, Russ. I think I think Reed's been fantastic. He, he looks a, a different player with Paulina alongside him, um, and, and and I think he'll go on next season. I think I think he will blossom again. I think he's a type of bloke that you know just thrives on sort of tenacious tackling and good f- keeping the ball retention. You know, he's, if you look at his stats, they've improved this year compared to last season. For third, it would have been a toss-up between a keeper, a keeper Leno, but I'm going to go for the old man, William. I mean, I thought you oh, know, it's been I mean, great. he can still be playing at 34, 35, and 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 changing games. You know, he's a game changer with a drop of the shoulder or uh, the finesse he's got in terms of a cross or a, or, or picking a pass or the goals he scored. Um, yes, we needed Leno for many, many, many games, but. And say it, it'd just be out of my top three. So yeah, I would go that for for Polinia, Reed, um, and 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 Will I am. I call him Will I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can I just say one thing with, with regards go to ahead, Emilio, with go regards ahead. to Emilio putting Leno because I've just seen something that came at the bottom of the season. Somebody else has said Leno pl- player of the season for sure. Um, and um, this this is what I mean about the negativity. We finished tenth in the league. And yet the goalkeeper is the player of the season. If we'd have finished 17th, fine. But I
2: can't see how he's put him as player of the season. Okay. Okay. Very good. Guys, before we move on and we talk about what's next for Fulham, I, this does go to what's next, but I want to get your thoughts on penalties, taking penalties. Gordon, I have to go to you first. I want your thoughts about the metro situation with taking penalties. I know I'm putting uh, you on the spot. But what are your uh, thoughts about this? If, if we had, Mitro is, is a big personality
1: within the team. He's sort of the leader of the team. And I think if he turns around to whoever has got the ball when a penalty is um, is given and he said, I'm taking it, they will just give it to him. Uh, we had the. I, I'm trying to think of the player that a, a few seasons ago we had the the argument with Mitro and another player taking the ball off him and wanting to take the penalty, and uh, Kamara. 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 So so it's it's a situation that unless we find that a player we sign or somebody in the team for I'll just pick out say say Pereira um, is is a better penalty taker than Mitro, then it should change and it should have changed probably four or five penalties ago because at at this level, at Premier League level, you've got to be putting perhaps eight or nine out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 in the back of the net. And although Mitro has has, has changed his style a bit, uh, I I don't think he is a natural penalty taker. And I think you do get those people um, who are, just confident and they can do it whatsoever, whichever side down the middle. Um, uh, And and Rob knows what I'm probably going to say next. The the best one that we've ever played with was Kevin Locke. And um, he was just so cool and calculated, but I'm, I'm not sure that Mitrovic is. And if we had a penalty taker in the team, then again, you go back to what we were all talking about earlier. How many points... Would we have had if he hadn't missed the four or the five out of the ten that he's taken? Um, and then you go back to a game that I mentioned, the uh quarter final against Man United, the penalty could have put us two up, and that's a completely different, a different, complete psyche not only for Man United but for the Fulham team to go two nil up away from home in a quarter final game. Um, it, it they're game changing, and I, I honestly think that. If he, if he is taking them at the beginning of next season, if he misses one, somebody else has got to step up. And he's got to be big about it as well and say, I'm stepping away. We, we need somebody else to take the penalties. But he's a big character and he's a confident character. And I don't think it matters to him if he misses two or three or four on the trot, he'll expect to get the next one. And I yeah. think we've got to get away from that. We've got to be looking at percentages and eight, nine or ten a ten is what we
2: should be looking at. I totally agree. Over to you, Rob. And it's funny because when I think of taking penalties and always felt that he was going to score, I go to Danny Murphy. I go to Danny Murphy. I always felt that Fulham were going to score on a penalty, I don't feel like that with Mitro. So it's an interesting situation that they have because you have someone like Mitro, a huge character. How do you tell him he can't take it? How do you move on from him? But the percentages, as Gordon says, at some point you have to think about, the number of penalties that have been missed, Gordon. I'm yeah, no, so yeah. your thoughts.
4: Yeah, not only this season. You look at his record overall over yeah. the last three or four seasons. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's poor. Yeah? He's got to be big enough, and the manager's got to be big enough to say to him, you know, I'm taking you off him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've got Pereira. you got got Willi, William. I mean, they're, 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 they're cool customers. You know, you look at Ivan Tony the, how he takes a penalty. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. get that when Mitro steps up. You know, I mean, he scores a great one the week before last against Man United. Against uh, who was it? Put it in the top bin, and then we're all thinking, of Man United, what's he going to do? He looked nervous when he was taking it, and then it's a poor penalty. Like and Gordon said, that cost us a game. We go two nil up, then that's yeah. game over, and we would have be been heading to the semi final guaranteed. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I think it comes from Marco. You know whether he says to him, okay, you know if you're playing well and you feel confident, you can take it. But like I say, if he misses one or two on the spot, I don't, I don't give him three or four. He doesn't take. If he misses one or two, second one, next game, you tell him before the game. If we get a penalty today, you're not taking him. It's Pereira or Hands up who wants to take it. And, okay. and then, then, then leave it at that. He's got to be. He's got. He's got to think of the team and not the goal stats. That he's the number nine, and he's going to take it every game. And to score four out of eight, or whatever he's done this season, fifty percent, is not good enough.
2: No, definitely not, Emilio, I'll give you a final word on this. Yeah, I think there's not much else
3: to say. there. but I think if you look back, the first one against Wolves away, I think scored that late penalty, yeah, game over. You come away with three points. So you argue has another two points. We've dropped, but that's early in the season. He was on a high. You get, you know, he's a natural, you know, he was going to be always going to be our number one penalty taker. You know, you look back at the Newcastle one, it's it just bad, bad luck, right? I can't yeah. really get him for that. It's just one of those things, you know. But the I thought when he came back from the, the, the suspension, had Pereira been fit, would he have naturally given it to Pereira, that Crystal Palace penalty? And then obviously at Old Trafford the last game of the season. So the fact he didn't have Pereira there as an option or his fallback, Maybe did he feel he had no choice but to take? I'm, I'm defending him here somewhat. But clearly, who would have taken it? With Pereira injured, it would have been probably William as a third choice. Or probably Tom Kearney. And then well, he's also missed a few penalties in his time at Fulham. So to be honest, we've got to sort this issue out. And I agree. I think Mitrovic had enough chance, 50% success rate, not good enough. Harry Kane's clinical penalties. Dare I say Bruno Fernandes, who, who we all hate, you know, confident at penalties. Ivan Toney. <laughs> You know, he's going to score 19-100% of the penalty. So, that will be something we'll be addressing. But who is that natural number two? The only one I can think of, really, is Pereira. from our I'm current
2: thinking of Pereira, Emilio. Our
3: squad of play from our current starting eleven. Who else will take it?
2: Maybe William? Yeah.
3: I don't know.
1: I'm not sure about William. Well, maybe, maybe Leno. Goalkeepers strike the ball so well. We only need Leno to, to be in the box, and then everybody else can be back in our box, defending in
3: case he misses was-
2: it. <laughs> oh,
3: there's something food for thought, though. That's the thing. Yeah, you know, who makes a decision? Is it Mitrovic to have the ball to say, look, you know, I've done my best. I had some orders. Or does he get stripped from that role by the manager? Is this is what yeah, you're yeah. position, what would you, you know, what would you do if Mitrovic is resisting the need to hand well, over?
1: It, it, it's him? a situation that I've had um, uh, in hospitality. I've had Les Strong say virtually uh, every week when, if there's a penalty. Uh, that uh, I would say take Mitrovic off the penalties because uh, he's getting closer to my record. So from my point of view, I'd take him off the penalties. I would sell him in the summer and get rid of him. Um, but uh, no, I think it's I think it's got to be down to the, to the manager, as Rob said. No. It's got the manager's got to be um, pragmatic about it, and he's got to he's got to put a line down to say to Mitrovic, right, you're taking the first one of the season. If you score, you can take the next one. But if you miss two on a trot, you're off the penalties. Right. So if he takes three and he's got two out of three, then, then then fine. But if he misses the fourth one, that he's back to a 50% ratio. So take him off the penalties. But at the moment, I can't see unless we buy someone and they're doing it in training. I can't see Mitrovic being taken off the penalties at the start of the season unless we buy somebody who says, Well,
2: I'd take them. I've never missed one. Okay. Well, good stuff. Great way to end talking about the season, because again, that would be a factor for next season, but coming up next, we're going to focus on what is next for full.
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care.
2: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, guys, let's get going. And one of the things I'm going to be asking all three of you is your three priorities for foam for this upcoming season. But before we do that, I'm going to take one off the table because I think this is the biggest topic we should be talking about before we talk about three priorities for Fulham because I think this is the number one situation that needs handling. And, Emilio, I'll go to you first and then I'll go to the guys. I want to talk about Marco's contract. I think this is the number one thing (laughs) hanging over the head of Fulham Football Club right now. He is going into the last year of his deal. At this point, he has not signed a new contract. What are your thoughts about this situation with marco and how important it is it to sign him to a new deal as soon as possible
3: absolutely i'm surprised we have again it's i'm surprised we haven't done it already by now at the end of the day because but mark we know what marco's position is he could be a hot blooded mediterranean person and they you know he he's pulling the strings let's be honest with you let's, let's be you know, he's, he's had two very successful seasons for the club you know he pulls the strings now it's not about what what tony khan won is what marco silver wants and we've got to you know, negotiate with him. This is this is the bottom line. It comes to business here at the end of the day. But Marco Silva, you know, isn't one to hang around. If he gets messed around or it hasn't seen a, a transfer kitty that's sizable and significant enough to push on, then you know, don't be surprised he, he will continue to do what Fabio Cavallo did two seasons ago and resist the need to uh, to sign an extension. But you're right. Without Marco signing the contract, we're going to be a bit in limbo. I know we've still got 12 months to focus. He's still got a still got a job to do, but. Ultimately, if he's not going to get the transfer kitty, you, you, you're going to see Marco probably resisting <laughs> to, to sign that contract because he'll have plenty of other offers on the table from other clubs. You know, look at all these other clubs in the Premier League have all pushed on, had their managers replaced. You know, a lot of the Marco civil was in contention for many of those roles, including the um Tottenham manager. that was I think he was linked with the Tottenham ro- manager's role a month or so ago. So I yeah. agree with Chris. Give him a long term contract. You know, put your money where your mouth is, Tony Khan, And, uh, Get that deal signed up immediately and give him what he wants, because ultimately, we you know we we've seen what he can do. You know, successful season in the championship, record goal scores. You know, Premier League, tenth place could have been higher. So, give him what he bloody wants, excuse my French. You know, why are you waiting, Tony Carl? I think that, that's what fans are struggling to understand. You know, what what's why is, why aren't we making a decision? Why are we leaving everything so last minute? Dot com, and if we before we know it, other clubs can still come and snatch him away from us. That's that's my nagging doubt. You know. Trans pictures are out. What in three, two days' time, three days' time. That's right. So, you know, everyone's going to be thinking about next season, first game of the season, and what middle. Of, you know, first, second week of August. You know, we want to make sure we've got a transfer kitty, significant funds, players identified. Marco Silva's had a voice in in a, in that in those transfers. Get him to sign that contract. Buy the plays early. Bed them in. You know, pre-season before we get to the first game of the season. Then we'll have a another successful season next year. But without him at the helm, then. You're right. Claire's right. If, if Marco goes or doesn't sign, why would Pellini want to say these, these are all the things, the repercussions that can happen. It just creates a little bit of unst- instability in the team and a bit of uncertainty. So for me, get it sorted at the top, hand him over that treasure chest of money and then build for the foundations for next season.
2: See, I totally agree with you, Emilio, and I'm going to go to you, Rob, because I think, like I said, I want to talk about priorities meeting upgrading the club but the thing about it is until this situation i think is resolved one way or another we know what's going on with marco i think this is just hanging over the head of potential players coming to phone, rob i think they need to get this taken care of they also i agree with the sentiment from chris goodwin they need to basically show marco the money not just financially for himself but that they're going to invest and upgrade the club So I think there's a lot going on here, but until they get his contract situation sorted out, this is just hanging over Fulham's head.
4: Yeah, definitely. And I I presume the contract side of it. I don't think that'll be the issue. I think it'll be the transfer budget.
2: That's what I think.
4: Mr. Khan's probably giving him because you know, I mean, he he was touted around for the Tottenham job, the Chelsea job, and if he has got a six million pound clause in there. You know that would have been. He could well have been gone by now because if Tottenham or Chelsea really wanted him, if they thought he was his number one, I think they would have just, you know, released the the six million and paid that and got him. So, yeah, I think he's probably. I'd imagine the talks have been ongoing mm-hmm. with him about personal uh, money and and and, and length of contract. But I think it. He, he, I think Marcos is very. Uh, you know he's very brash, and he, he he would he would want the transfer budget and the players that he wants more important than his own personal contract. So if that's not forthcoming at the moment, then the, yeah, as we as we go into the start of transfer deadline, so yeah. that's hanging over everyone's head. And like you say, players are unsure whether to come in because the manager's going into the last year of his contract come first of August. So you know why would you sign a five year deal? for someone if you didn't know he right. were going to be there the following season. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping there's an announcement made in, in the coming weeks. Obviously, they're all on their holidays. So, you know, there may be something behind the scenes that's already done and they're, they're waiting for the right time to make the announcement. But I think they should be making it uh, sooner rather than later, just so all these alleged players that we may be going after or possibly going after that, you know, they they come to fruition when we start putting money on the table.
2: See, that's my point, Rob. I'm glad that you mentioned that. And over to you, Gordon, because you know both you and Rob as players, I'm sure who the manager is was the factor of who you would play for for most players. And if you have a manager and you think about going to Fulham I and you're not sure if he's going to be there, you might have second thoughts about going to Fulham. So I think it all starts with getting a new deal done with Marco, but they also have to – show Marco that they're going to back him and it works hand in hand. If he signs the new deal, Gordon, I think that shows us also that they're going to invest in this club. Cause I don't think Marco stays unless they're going to invest in Fulham football club. Gordon, your thoughts. I, I think you're dead right. All, all, all three of you, but what you just said, Russ, I
1: think, I think you're dead right. It's probably after the season that we've just had, it's probably the most important signature of, of pre-season, which is, which is getting Marco to sign a new contract uh, because, you know, if he signed a new contract, then he's got the money that he wanted to go out after the players that he wants to try to get in because you, you, you can't, after the two seasons that we've had, you can't let the opportunity go to basically kick everyone in the backside and have the guts ripped out of Fulham by the manager walking away. And as Rob and Emilio alluded to it, players then saying, well, I'm in the last year of my contract. I don't know who's going to come in. I'm just going to stay on the last year of my contract. Other players that we're supposedly interested in, and there are going to be hundreds touted about over different medias um, throughout the day and night, um, that they all want to come to Fulham because of Marco Silva, um, and that a lot of it will be just agents trying to move their players around. But Marco, um, yes, being sort of the, uh, the 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 Latin type of person personality. If you upset him, then he could down tools, and within twenty four hours, we've lost him. Right, because as as Rob mentioned, if there, if it's a six million pound clause, that is nothing to the big if I say top, top eight clubs in the, in this country, as well as top clubs around Europe. So um, it, 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 it's a pittance, really, that, that clause, if it is six million in, in the game as it is these days. So I think, uh, yes, the, the phrase has been used. The, 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 the first announcement that everybody wants to hear is Marco signed a new contract. And then we know that he's been given, if I, if I use the, the phrase, a war chest, because I think we, we, I could be wrong, but I think we got £98 million pound for finishing 10th. Now, yes, you've got to take players' wages into account, but we could buy four 20, £25 million pound players. Now, there's a, there's a lot of um, mention about uh, certain people in the championship that we could get for £20 million, uh, that would make us a better team, a better squad, um, and probably better all round. So, yeah. Uh, even with the money that we've just got from, from uh, the Premier League. We could go out and buy four players. They're going to make us a much better squad, a much better team. So get Marco sorted. So first, get that out in the press, and yep. then everybody knows where we stand. We are aiming to go forward, not backwards.
2: Absolutely, Gordon. And that's going to lead us to talk about our three priorities. But before we do that, I do want to focus a little bit on Paulina just a little bit on Paulina before we go to three priorities because I want to get all three of you let's just focus on him because he's the one that everyone is coveting so I want to talk a little bit about him because for me I've been hearing the numbers being bandied around 50 60 70 for me he's more even more valuable than that because I don't think they have a suitable replacement for what he offers Fulham football club I think he's that valuable so for me, if you sell Jao Polina, unless he is forcing a move, I don't, you don't sell Jao Polina. You don't do it. No. Because, Gordon, I'll go right back to you. They need to be building, not replacing. If you're going to sell him, then you're in the game of replacing. They need to be building. And it starts with keeping your key players. They need to keep their core together. I did a podcast about it. I want to just talk a little bit about pulling and keeping the core together, and then we'll talk about three priorities. I want to get your thoughts. I think,
1: yeah, as we've mentioned, he's been probably one of our best signings over the last few years because he's gelled the whole team and the way that we play together. And he's, he came because of Marco Silva. Um, I think he will stay because of Marco Silva. And even if he goes at the end of next season, it gives us time. Um, and we may be going down the Wolves route uh, of signing a lot of Portuguese players or or Brazilian players who speak yeah. Portuguese. So um, I, that that's not a problem from my point of view. But you've got to, as you said, you've got to build the team around a, a, a core, even if you say coming down the middle of the, the pitch. Right. The, the keeper, Leno has been fantastic. Uh, then you, even if you pick one of the three centre-halves, we'll stick with Reem, He's been fantastic. Polinja's been fantastic. Mitrovic has been fantastic. So you've got to build a team around those sort of four players that you know are going to be there week in, week out. But if you sell Polinja, even if you bring another player in of a similar quality, does he f- actually fit into the team? And does he play as well with teammates around him? Uh, so it 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 it's a big one for me, but I think because Marco seems happy at the club, and I know they were talking to him literally two days after the final uh, game of the season. Yeah. Um, if he stays, then Polina stays, and I then agree. you you start building a team around the the core that we've got, um, and you you move forward. You you can't stay still in the Premier League because top ten we have got to be looking for the. Yes, a top 10 next year, a top eight, even a top six. But we've got to get quality players in. And unless you've got the, the manager and your core players there, you're not going to get the quality players wanting to come to, to Fulham Football
2: Club. And that's my point, Gordon. That's why I wanted to focus on this before we talk about the three priorities of what positions we need to be basically upgrading. But over to you, Rob. This, is to me, is where it really begins. And we're seeing all the speculation. Yes, it's speculation. But I think it's about keeping the core. I'm glad that Gordon was harping on that as well. I know I'm focusing on Paulina, but it goes beyond Paulina. It's Mitrovic. It's Leno. It's the central midfield. It's keeping that middle just intact and building on it. Because if you get rid of Paulina, then you are not building, my friend. You are replacing. That's what I keep going back to. We need to be building. Rob, your thoughts.
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you, you can't sell him. He's got four years left on his contract. So all of these uh Villa and West Ham. He's going to replace Rice and he's going to be 40, 50, 60, million. Even at that price, it'd be worth hundred million in another two years time. He's that good. You know what I mean? In terms of his stats, if he adds a little bit more to his game in terms of, you know, uh, he's very safe with his passing, which is great, which, which is fine. He, he's, his real job is defensive midfield player, but, as I say, I, I think it all stems around the relationship he's got with Marco. And if, if he sees that Marco signs a new three or four-year deal in the next couple of weeks, his head won't be turned whatsoever. They might have <coughs> to rip that four-year contract up and give him a new five-year one and double his right. wages because he probably came in as a £20 million signing on lower wages. And after having the season he had, he'll want to get up to to to, to the wage that some of the others are on, you know what I mean? If I I were him, that's what I'd be sort of saying to the agent, you know, let's just talk to follow about ripping this up and give me an extra year. I'll sign a new deal, but I want double my money and I'm happy to stay here. But it all stems around the relationship he's got with Silver, And I think that's key to, you know, that is going to be our best signing ever if we get him signed up in the next few weeks.
2: I totally agree. Over to you, Amelia. I'm glad that Rob went to talk about, the contract, everything—I totally agree with all that. What are your thoughts about keeping the core together?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know we don't want to be. You know, Brighton have got a habit of you know they're using them as an example. They end up selling their core assets, but somehow they do a way to replace them. To your point, they're 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 selling and replacing, but they're replacing successfully. But that that may come to you know hurt them at some point. They can't sustain that.
2: Look at Southampton. I'm I'm just using them as an example. They did it for a long time, yeah, but it, eventually it, it comes price, back to hurt you
3: price for it. So. For me, but I look at Declan Rice. You no know, no. What's a big fuss about him? I know I don't watch West Ham every week, but all the stats that we see from last season, Padinha, it was better stats across the Northern from passing, tackles, one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why is Declan Rice worth supposedly 100 million plus? Maybe because he's English and that's probably the reason why, but right. why is there such a big fuss? Every time I've seen him play for England, I haven't been overwhelmed, you know, to be honest with you. He's safe, he's steady. But I don't see him being spectacular. I don't know what the big fuss is about Declan Rice, but clearly he's, he's not going to stay at West Ham. But we've got to make sure West Why would Pallini want to go to West Ham to Aston the villa? No disrespect. He's right. that good if someone like a Liverpool man United come in. But maybe it's a different story as a player, but why would he want... Mm-hmm. Just because they've got European football next season. I don't think that's a big enough reason for him to want to stay at the club. But I think as was Rob was saying, if Marco Silva doesn't sign on the dotted line, Pallini's head will turn. And that's a danger. I mean... And West Ham, if they keep, or whoever's coming in for him, will keep knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door until our patient runs out. And <coughs> there might be a, a, an offer too good to turn down. Brighton have done that with all their players, 50, 60 million players that keep selling. Yes, they find an alternative, a replacement, but uh, how strong is Tony Khan and the board to resist temptation? He's put that tweet out there to talk sports to say, no, there is no release clause. So that's, in, that's a statement of intent. They're, they're no. back off. He's not available, so then that, I'm glad he's done that. Because in the past, Tony's been you know, criticised for maybe getting too involved and a little bit too vocal on Twitter. But he said a few few words and said the right words and told Talk Talksport just to back off and just. good. <laughs> <get more laughs> so
2: oh, that was great, though. That was great. I, I like, I like,
3: I like to see that. I like to see little you know, less is more sometimes. with yeah. you know, you with know, so the so, I think he's learned his, his mistakes from social media in, in the last few seasons, but. He's critical, you know. Keep them two at the helm, but yep. God forbid Marco goes, Paulinia goes in. Then. then what? So, so board sort those two players out. Tie Paulinia to a, a, an improved contract. I'm I'm assuming there might be some sort of clause in there again. We could, you know, That maybe there'll be a review if he, we didn't get relegated. Then presumably there might be some some I don't know some salary reviews in there. But clearly he's, he's done so well this season. Don't be surprised if you want to retain him, you've probably got to pay up for it as well. From our side. there's probably some sort of um, probably an increase in salary. That's but overall, they are they are paramount. The foundation of that team we can't break. We can't do what Brighton have done because right. we haven't got a good track record of doing that over the past, have we, guys? So, um, no. so yeah. I think that's the thing. Right, Russ.
1: Could I say one thing? We've been an hour and two minutes into this uh, conversation, and yeah. there's only one person that's
2: used the word relegated. Oh, that would be Emilio. <laughs> Well, Well, thank you, Gordon. Thank you very much for bringing it back. I didn't say relegated. I didn't say
3: relegated. I haven't used the relegated word.
2: Okay. Okay. Can can we just keep that word out of the podcast (laughs) for tonight? Just just for one day. Just for one day. Okay. (laughs) Guys, let's get to really breaking this down because let's just assume, I know it's hard to just assume because we know what happens when you assume. Let's assume they keep their core players. They keep Marco. Three priorities for next season. Rob, I'll give you first crack at it. Where are you going? I'm putting you in the shoes of. I'm going to put you in the shoes of uh, Tony Khan. What are you going to do? What are you going to be? No, I'm going to buy
4: two. I'm going to buy two quality center halves, mm. and I'm going to buy a better striker to be backup for Mitro. I'd, I'd get rid of Vinicius, Munez, and I'd go for two ball play or one good center half who's aggressive and a okay. ball playing center half because I don't think. Ream's going to have another season like he's had in the last 12, 18 months. I'm sure the rumours of tossing might be looking to leave the club to take advantage of going into the last year of his of his contract. And I don't think Diop's good enough anyway. So I would, go for, I would go for two quality centre halves and a, and, a, and a backup striker that's not going to push Mitro, but when we do lose him through injury or suspension or a game changer coming on for the last 20 minutes, like Tom's done all season, yeah. Tom got five men on the matches this year. And I has was play, say Tom's been great, by five, the way. five games. Yeah. So, you know, you need a, you need a player like that and you need a striker like that. When Vinicius or, or, or last season, Muniz, we haven't Dan James. We haven't got a game changer to come off the bench and win us a game or get us a draw. And it's been too lackluster and that in depth. So, Definite better number nine to to come on and and do some kind of goal damage and 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 definitely two center halfs, so an aggressive center half who, who will attack the ball. Not that they, I'm saying that they're not the three that haven't done that sort of regular this season, and okay. then a nice ball playing center half that comes out and joins in. I'm not looking for a John Stones, but someone in, who who wants to play that type of if he's allowed to, if Marco allows him to step in. And and make an extra person in there, then that that's the three areas or the two areas, two center halves and a striker. I would go for.
2: Let me ask you, because we are talking about the defense. Thoughts on Jedi? We talked a little bit about him. Are you happy with him as your left? Yeah, player?
4: I'm. I I think he had his best season this season. I think if you look at, you know, he played against some decent wingers up against him this season, and he wasn't found. As much wanting as he has been in the past in the championship and the previous year in 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 Premiership, so yeah, I think he's improved. I mean, he's still got areas to to improve on. His his goal assist is appalling uh, for the amount of times he gets in. And if you watched him warm up before a game, you know you'd think to yourself oh, they must do it five days a week. When you look at Tate, his assist compared, to look at yeah. look what Trippier does for Newcastle, you know. And I know I know he's not Trippier, but that. The, a right back or a left back can be just like a right or left winger and make crosses for strikers because you look at the assist that Trippier's has done uh, and look at, uh, I mean, Trent Arnold two seasons, last season and, and 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 Robinson. So, I mean, it's there. Your full backs can be a good outlet going forward. And I think he, he obviously needs to improve on that. But no, I'm quite happy. I mean, we might need a left back as a number two because right. obviously Joe's gone. Kerwazan's not good enough. Whether he's still at the club or not, I don't know. But, yeah, we probably need a, a backup left back, definitely.
2: Okay, excellent. Over to you, Gordon. What are your top three priorities for Fulham next season? Um, d- definitely
1: one centre-half. Um Owen goes uh, uh, as defensive as, as Rob, but I, I'll certainly say one centre-half because uh, I'll agree. Uh, you, again, you, you've got to look at how will Tim Ream uh, do this year. Tosin and Diop, I, I think, are... Very similar in that you always worry when they're in one, they're in possession of the ball, and two, when they're sort Our of possession. distributing the ball because yeah. it's a situation that they allow players to turn and run at them, and and both of them are, are, are fairly quick, but the, the amount of times that they give a ball away and then it's one on one, they they certainly need to uh, improve. Uh, as as individuals in the Premier League, um, if they're going to be because there's going to be some point where the two of them are going to play together, as Rob said, if unless Tosin go, goes goes uh, away to another club, um, so certainly a a, a a centre half that can come in and and play um, in in that back four and is more defensively minded, not necessarily coming coming forward, but doesn't give the ball away as much because the distribution, I think, of Tosin and uh, Diop is, is poor for Premier League centre-halves. So one centre-half. Um, I'd certainly go for a, a an attacking, if you want to call it number 10, okay. to uh, push Pereira because I don't think we've got anybody um, that if he's missing, that yeah. we can automatically put in that position to get up and, and go past, or past Mitrovic or get up to to help him um as Cavalio did when before he went to the okay i'm
2: going there would you bring fabio back i'm gonna i'm going there you set me up would you bring it, fabio back it, it it's it, it all depends he'd be he'd be accepted back with by the
1: players i think he'd be accepted back by the club uh, and the supporters um wh- whether he is mentally right to come back I don't know. Being a, still being a, a young kid, um, and going to one of the best teams in in Europe, and thinking I've made it, and then being put on the side, coming in for five six. I think he's only played eight games this, this season,
2: yeah. and,
1: that, and a lot of those have been coming on as sub. So I think he'd be accepted back in. He knows how the team plays. Would I bring him back if 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 we can afford his wages? and uh, we can get him on a, a season-long loan, then probably. And then the third one, Rob's already mentioned it, we've got to get another, to use the expression, another number nine in, and I think to to, to push Mitrovic, because he knows he's going to be playing week in, week out, unless he's injured. And I think he could be put under pressure if we bought somebody like Goykeres from Coventry. I was going to ask you your thoughts on him. Would you yeah. bring in someone like that? I, I would bring him in. If they're looking for 20, 25 million, I'd bring him in because I, I think the lad's a, a very good player. He works his socks off mm-hmm. um, and he scores goals. And I think okay. the, the one thing that he that he wants to do, he wants to take players on, he wants to get in the box, he wants to get on the end of things. And now we've got better players In the wide positions that get better service in and i'll go back to what rob says about robinson his final ball in is terrible terrible and i think if he gets 20 crosses in a game maybe three or four might be in the right areas to attack so that's one thing that he has to work on um it's all well and good being up and down and up and down not many people are getting past you but as rob said these days when he gets in that final third he's got to get quality balls in and he doesn't get enough in. So yeah. those will be my three. One centre-half, one attacking midfield player and
2: yeah. one centre-forward. Okay. Melio, you're going to have the final word on this. Your three top priorities.
3: It's a golden stole my thunder, to be honest. I think attacking... You know These three
2: goalkeepers. Huh? <laughs>
3: Striker, without saying, I think we've been saying for a few seasons now we haven't really got enough backup yeah. there for Mitrovic. I think that's been a, that's been lacking for a number of seasons. I agree with Gordon that maybe this is you know putting it out there. How indispensable is Mitrovic? I'm just saying he's never been under pressure. You know when he dips in form. You know look at it. He was carrying that knock around the World Cup, post World Cup. He was never the same player. You know so when he came back, he took a while to come back from injury. Then all the nonsense at Old Trafford, but. To be honest with you, you know, he's, he's got he's a got sort of his injury now because at the end of the day, he, he wasn't a player post-World Cup as he was before when he scored all those goals and he was touted as being, potentially being the record goal scorer in the Premier League. So he needs a bit of pressure there, to be honest, because, you know, no player is indispensable as far as I'm concerned and he's never had any competition for places. And although we missed him when he had his eight-game bat and I thought Vinicius grew into that role. I don't think he's the right player. I think we need to move on. But you saw a different type of play, eh? He was more attacking, more offensive, chasing balls down, forcing errors from the defense. So I saw another side of those of his game in the last six, seven games when Mitrovic was injured, oh sorry, suspended, then prior to that. But definitely we need a backup striker without a shadow of a doubt. I'm glad, Gordon, you mentioned a bit about Pereira. He's, he divides opinion, doesn't he? I think for me from set yeah. pieces, excellent. You know, from penalties, I'm sure he'll have a better record than Mitrovic. From corners, free kicks, fantastic. I don't think he does. He's not quick enough, and his, his final ball from open play sometimes lacks the quality that we need. I think there have been times, especially in the home games, that I go week in, week out. Sometimes just he's had so much time, so much space. He's either a little bit selfish, plays the wrong, makes the wrong decision. I just feel that like we need a bit of a quality then. Is Cavallo the, the player to bring back? Absolutely not. I don't want him anywhere near the <laughs> club. Very, I knew you were going to go there. I don't want him back to go. Okay. I think... Pereira, I don't, there's some games when he's, he's outstanding, but there'll be times when he, he, he frustrates play, He frustrates fans. It's frustrated me, people around me as well. So, Gordon, you've hit the nail on the head. I think we, we need to, he needs some competition there. So I just think from open plays, contribution can be better. And I think it goes without saying defensively. You know, Tosin, I think will go. I think Rob was said off air. Yep. If he's only got, what, one year left of his contract, mm-hmm. if we yeah. get a decent deal, he'll probably go. I disagree about the Diop comment. I actually think Diop actually doesn't get enough credit. I actually think he's got a lot to grow into that role. Um, And with Tim Ream, I think him and Tim Ream, you know, found a good relationship there, but how long can Tim Ream go on for? So at least one centre back for sure. And, And ultimately, we need stronger competition in all places. And we keep saying, you know, we have to always have two good players for each position. We're not quite there yet. And Gordon, you mentioned it. We want to push on. We just have to make some subtle improvements so we've got cover in all those positions good cover
2: okay excellent show guys this has been fantastic i've really enjoyed it i hope all three of you have enjoyed doing this this has been fun we've again it's been a while since we've done a show we shouldn't let it be so long until we do another show because this is great i want to go to final thoughts from all three of you first over to you gordon thank you so much for joining us tonight it's been wonderful what are your thoughts before we end the show no,
1: I, I've enjoyed it, and it's been it's been great to talk to uh, you and Rob, and listen to Emilio. Um, so uh, it's uh, it's been a it's been a while since we've done it, and I've and I've missed talking to the the three of you, to be perfectly honest with you. But after such a such a good season, um, it's just nice to, to get back and have a bit of banter and talk about what we've uh, all enjoyed uh, this season. So. Um, uh yeah, f- fingers crossed, we, uh, we go onwards and upwards uh next year. And um, I think we'll all be looking at um, various media outlets waiting for that um, Marco Silva new contract to come out. So that's all I can say. As long as he signs, we'll be fine next year.
2: I agree with you. And one thing I want to add before I go over to Rob is that I really enjoy and I missed... The Gordon and Emilio banter—I've enjoyed that fully in this episode. Rob, over to you again, as always. Thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight.
4: Uh, it's a pleasure. It's always great to jump on with uh, you, you two, and, and 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 the banter with Gordon and Emilio is always nice to listen to and watch. Um, body language and relegation—that wasn't ever mentioned. Ever I don't think it was mentioned oh. at all. So I think Gordon called out. I think, oh, oh, he
1: did. He mentioned the word relegated. But he didn't uh, say relegation. All uh, right. Uh,
4: right. OK. Yeah.
1: I know, I know. <laughs>
4: I, th- I think you're right, Russ. I think we should have a more regular slot yeah. of every sort <laughs> eight, two months or something like that, jumping on for an hour, just to, every 10 or 12 games or something like that and just get our thoughts and, uh, and where we're at. And, um, you know, I'm always up for sparing you an hour, an hour and a half of my time, no problem. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the fixtures coming out when they do and you can plan well, you can't plan your season because Sky and Sky messed that up by travel arrangements and et cetera, et cetera. So you have to do it month by month. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, um, as I say, the the news of Marco signing his three- or four-year deal would be the biggest, Mm -hmm. best signing that Fulham would have made for many, many years.
2: Yeah, I actually want to see this on pay-per-view. Thank you for mentioning this, Chris. I think definitely on on pay-per-view. Emilio, final thoughts before we go? It's always a nice thing. I
3: like it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, cheers, Chris. Anyway, but yeah, always a pleasure to do the show with the guys, and you know, we, it's always good banter, and honest opinion, and honest, honest chat and discussion. Like I said, I can't believe the fixtures are out. What in a couple of days' time? So it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I've got a bit of a dilemma. I remember a couple of weeks ago, my wife was saying we've got an invitation to go down to Devon in August. And I went, oh, okay, that sounds sounds good. Why don't we go away for the weekend? So well, I said, what date is it? It's the first game of the season. I went. I said, can we wait till? Thursday, the 15th, Thursday. Yeah. The look I got was, was, a, was something that was priceless, to be honest. I said, wait till the 15th, let's see if we get a home game. I'd like, I would like. I was away for the Liverpool game last year. I was at a wedding abroad, so I couldn't go to the Liverpool game. So don't really want to miss a home game. But yeah, we've got an invitation. What do you do? Dilemma. You know, people yep. watching, let me know what you think I should do. Wait you, till- just, you just turn up late. You go
1: to the game and you turn up late.
3: You know, well, hopefully, we've got maybe I don't know a game that's sort of closer to maybe Bournemouth away a little bit closer. Brighton to or the yeah, area.
4: Brighton or well, we yeah, can't be Southampton. Brighton or Bournemouth, then you yeah. could probably yeah. do the weekend and slot that in yeah. at some point, yeah. if the exactly. guy permitting.
3: But yeah. been a good show, guys. Good show yes. again. There's lots, lots to look forward to. And like you said, let's 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 ignore all the speculation because it's just that that's what the media've got nothing else to report on at the moment, have they? So, um yeah. so yeah, let's just fingers crossed. We get on with business. Get it done early more important, get the business done early. And and then it's American tour, Russ. I think you're going to hope to go to a couple games as well. So.
2: Yep. I'm actually going to be at the uh, match in Philadelphia. I'm looking forward to that and uh, hoping to bring my entire family. So that should be interesting going to see foam. They have never seen foam. So I'm looking forward to going to Philadelphia. I can't wait to see foam again um, stateside. So I'm looking forward to going to the match in Philadelphia. Max will be actually will be at uh, the match in Maryland and also the match in Philadelphia. So I'll meet up with him for the match in Philadelphia. But I can't wait to him coming to America. That's going to be fun. So anyways, I just want to just say thank you, everyone that's watched live. We had a huge live audience. So thank you, everyone that's watched live. And thank you, everyone that watches and listens to College Talk. We really appreciate it. And uh, we cannot let this be this long until the four of us get back together because this is so much fun. But I am going to wrap this up. For Emilio Danilo, Fulham legend Gordon Davis, and Fulham legend Rob Wilson, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cars Talk, part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.